This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Alliance supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Alliance. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined for the last time of this league campaign by my co-host Michael Verney. Michael, a, a sombre day in, in many ways. When you said the last time, it's was, <laughs> yeah, was very much so actually, yeah. yeah. Thankfully we'll be back for the summer, yeah, but um, yeah, great league in fairness. Uh, two good finals yesterday and the Kamau was an exciting final as well, went out right down to the wire and... Great result, especially with, with Mayo winning as well. Like, yeah, yeah, no, it was actually a great moment to hear like the green and red of Mayo playing around Crow Park. Like, it, I know it's not an All Ireland win, obviously it doesn't need to be said, but it it still was a nice moment for the fans who followed them so well, for the veteran players who were there with their children, and even for Tom Parsons who apparently was allowed on the pitch, <laughs> contrary to to a few tweets that said he that he was being kind of you know excluded from it all. Actually, geez, it was brilliant in all in all fairness, like and. The Mayo supporters, I to me, are the envy of all counties. Like they just keep coming back for more and more. I was up in Castlebar the week before last, and it's like a championship game. Every league game is like thirteen, fourteen thousand. They're just absolutely fanatical about football, and it was great to see them get their reward yesterday. And I think it was only after the final whistle that players probably realised just how big of a deal it was. And at the end of the day. When they look back in August, even if they don't have an All Ireland, having a league title is some solace. At least it's not what they tra- it's not what they train the whole year for, but it's something. And only two teams, maybe maybe if Mayo win the All Ireland, they'd be the only team that'll have the two national titles. So, like when they look back, at least they're going to have something. Do you mm. know what I mean? And we're going to be joined by Colin Keyes of the Irish Independent in just a minute um, to discuss the football over the weekend. And then we're going to talk to John Milan later about the hurling. And we have Ursula Jacobs from the Camogie. So an action-packed show in the offing. But I guess there was also some big injury news over the weekend that I guess went under the radar a bit because it was in the press box. But apparently my press box source told me you were you had to wear tracksuit bottoms to, to work yesterday because your, your hamstring was so badly injured. <laughs> yeah, it popped my hammer there Saturday night actually and I couldn't uh, try to get a pair of jeans on yesterday. I couldn't get them on. <laughs> so I had to wear tracksuit bottoms. Yeah, um... For for trying to land me in that, I'd just like to tell all our listeners that I sent Will a picture of Dermot Connolly, a picture of Dermot Connolly with a G-Long uh, Australian Rules shirt, and it said, you know, congratulations to Dermot Connolly signing a two-year deal, and Will <laughs> seemed to forget what day it was today and thought that story was legitimate. Well, I don't understand how you're spinning this, because I literally responded and said, that's fake, question mark. The question mark basically said, okay, there might be some truth to this. No, because you, I just thought you were the one taking in from it, you know, a gullible man like yourself. I thought oh, you were well, the one taking I, in from I gathered it was you that was no, 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 taking no. in. So we were, we were both not taken in from it for the record. Yeah, the, the picture is funny enough, like, because yeah. Dan McConnell's lost about three stone if it's him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's definitely not the same kind of chiseled athlete that we remember in a Dublin shirt anyway. But how's your recovery going? You were wincing as you were sitting down on the table. I didn't want to tip my hand that I already knew about the injury, so I pretended to ignore but I saw you wincing as you were lowering yourself into the seat yeah sore enough now but uh, we got the win thank God we're playing this weekend I won't be able to play but so with the great championship structures that we have we're not playing for 14 weeks so mm-hmm. I should be okay by the time the next round comes around and just to give our listeners an update you are wearing jeans so it's obviously the injury isn't as bad yeah, today no, as it was not as bad today the old anti-inflammatories and the, the ice are kicking in in fairness yeah. and is it, is it a case of you're, just, you're you're getting a bit older it's it's not you know you, your, your muscles aren't that's quite bit, as that's a bit harsh supple no it's 
that's a question mark much like my one earlier uh, no just one of these things didn't feel great going into the game probably shouldn't have played but sure what do you do like you know what I mean you only live once Exactly. On that note, I'd like to welcome in Column Keys for our football chat. And Colm, I guess before the game, people were, were wondering, you know, how important would a win be to Mayo or to Kerry uh, or whether they could recover pretty quickly from a loss. But it, it seemed to mean an awful lot to those Mayo players at the final whistle. It, it really was a really good occasion to see some of those, you know, old veterans get some uh, national glory finally. Of, of course it is, Will. And it was, I never actually imagined it would be like that. For Mayo, I, even even though it should be, and it was like that, you never really imagine because the great prize is obviously the All Ireland has has eluded them. But you have to think of the journey they have come as a county, as a support, and as these group of players and all that they have lost, and that includes three league finals since their last one, seven All Ireland finals, albeit one one was a draw when they didn't come away with the prize that they went up for, and so many heartbreaking stories. So. People may say, well, the celebrations were a little bit uh, um, a little bit too much. Of course they weren't. They were fully entitled to go around to their supporters and uh, with a piece of silverware in Crow Park after. After all, they've been through. And it was a real performance of grit, um, determination. And it obviously stemmed from the fact that they just felt they could not, could not countenance walking out of Crow Park with their heads bowed and another defeat. Now, it would have been very easy to say, well, that's only the league. And it would have been very easy for them to say, well, that's only the league in the context of a win too, that we have bigger fish to fry down the line. But they really had to test themselves in a pressurised environment, in a final, with a piece of silverware up on the, the podium and go after it with vigour. And they really did that in the second half. And James Horne mentioned that they could have won by, by 10 or 12. I think they, they were probably... Eight, seven, eight points a better team, and it didn't show. And that's the one concern that they still left so much out there, and they were still taxed to go and get scores when it mattered most. Now they got them, but they left a lot out there. I counted between ten and eleven shots that dropped short, hit posts, or were blocked out for forty-fives or whatever else. There was a lot of scores that they still left out there, a lot of goal chances, and that's the only concern. But great to see it. I don't think anyone would begrudge them their success. They went and did it and they found new players. So it's been a very productive league. Albeit, ironically, I just wonder, the two games that they didn't win were the two games that, in the broader context of everything, that would give them most benefit to win. And that was Dublin and Crow Park, where obviously they haven't beaten them on Jim Gavin's watch. And Galway. Uh, in Castlebar, they haven't beaten them in their last seven meetings either. So they were the two games that they probably would have felt m meant most to them in the regulation stretch of the league. But they lost it and they ended up winning the league and they'll get huge benefit from that. Yeah, it's interesting, Michael. Are, are Mayo the number two team for you now after that dominant performance yesterday? Or, or as Colin points out, you know, to, to lose to their two big rivals as well, I guess maybe puts a bit of a question mark there. But overall, like, where, where are they? They're hovering in around there, definitely. Yeah, two, three, four between probably themselves and and Kerry and, and Tyrone. I'd, I'd probably throw a blanket over the tree and be honest with you. Just on something Callum said as well, I don't think they realised just how significant it was to win in Crow Park until until they actually did it. Like, and yeah, you know, the people would nearly sneer them almost. Like, but the Mayo support is just phenomenal. Like, if ten minutes after the match. If there was forty, there was forty-five thousand nearly in Crow Park yesterday. There was definitely nearly two thirds of them still left, which means two thirds of them were Mayo support, and it's just phenomenal. And even I, it just gave them a taste of maybe what they've missed, and just will give them a taste of what it was just a sample of what it would be like if if they did eventually get over the line. But like and and Conham said as well, like they had a late sending off maybe that could have maybe had some impact on the game. They had a couple of missed chances they could have won by more, but it's kind of all forgotten about. When you when you win, so I think this will be a big relief for them. Um, the one thing probably yesterday is like they've always needed someone to stand up in that kind of clutch moment. And in fairness, and he's been threatening to do it, and he's a phenomenal football. Dermot O'Connor was brilliant yesterday, and just he threw himself maybe in on the edge of the square, just just on the off chance maybe that something might happen and risk the chance of getting killed under that high ball to, to get it. And that was just, they just needed something like that and they needed someone like him to stand up. And like he's only, I think he's only 23 or 24, but like he is, he's a proper leader and a great captain. And it was just, it was great, it was great. It was just a great occasion to be honest with you. Yeah, and it must give them huge confidence going into the summer. 
and I guess the key point he makes there, the leaders on the male team really did stand up to the veteran guys who've been there, you know, for, for many years. Chris Barrett was really good on Tommy Walsh, you know, Lee Keegan, you know, took out Sean O'Shea for, for large parts of that game too. Aidan O'Shea had a really good game in midfield as well where Mayo completely dominated. Yeah, Aidan O'Shea has been one of the players of the league. If you are picking a league team now, as as we as we intend to do, uh, Aidan and Matthew Ruan, clubmates from, from Briefy, would be undoubtedly the partnership and they've been phenomenal in different ways and they complement each other really well. Ruan's a great foil, isn't he? Like he, he just he offers is, something maybe a little different. He's he, he probably maybe. has uh, more, more, more pace going forward and I, I was really taken by the run he made and how deep he came with his run to score that first half point to get on Keith Higgins had found himself in the corner and was cutting in along the end line and Ruan made a run and he scorched it for for 40 50 meters just to get there and slowed down and popped it over with his fist it was I think there was three fisted points there in the was, first yeah, half was, from, yeah. from 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 uh, from Mayo One with no the timing the of goals. his run <laughs> yeah the timing of his run was 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 brilliant and 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 you know there's a bit of coaching in that too uh, to give him that flexibility and, and liberty to push forward, whereas Aidan O'Shea is now now holding the middle and holding it very well, competing very well. Uh, I don't know, is there too many tacklers, better tacklers in the game? Certainly as a midfield or forward, I don't think there's probably too many. That pass as uh, well for James. And the pass. Oh, the pass was, I was coming to that, was just phenomenal. When have we seen a better pass in Crow Park? I always thought Colin Cooper's pass in the 2013 all Ireland semi final yeah. where he just threaded it through through a gap. I think it was to Dunica Walsh or to James O'Donoghue for for that goal. I think it was Dunica Walsh yeah. and then on to James O'Donoghue, who was one of the best passes I've ever seen. And I remember Trevor Giles' pass to Ollie Murphy in a Leinster final in 1999. Uh, some of those passes would just they just really, really stand out. And I think Aidan O'Shea's pass inside for that goal chance, wasn't it? To James Carr James very early Carr, in the yeah. second half was was phenomenal. That must have travelled 60 metres, 55 to 60 metres, over the top, so well placed. So that's, it's not something else he's added to the game. He was always a very good, very good distributor, but really, really has taken on that midfield mantle with his briefy club mate. And I think they've complemented each other superbly, both in Tralee and again yesterday when they have dominated the Kerry midfield. But this is the fifth consecutive game where Kerry have failed to beat Mayo in Croke Park and that's quite a statistic going back to the 2012 uh, league semi-final there's been a couple of All-Ireland semi-final draws and obviously the All-Ireland semi-final victory for Mayo in 2017 and the other uh, statistic that will probably bother Kerry and you would have to search the, the history books for this I wouldn't imagine it's ever happened before but that's now five games in a row that Kerry have not won in Croke Park uh, going back to the round-robin game against Galway last year, the league match against Kerry, and then those two Mayo games. So they've come away from Crow Park now five times without a win. And I don't think that's probably happened before. Maybe it has. I, I haven't got to check that, but I, I, I yeah. don't imagine so. Uh, on Kerry Michael, like Peter Keane was interviewed afterwards. I was reading his quotes in, in today's uh, in Donegal Boyle was uh, covering it after the game. And, and I was surprised. He, he was very positive. He was like, you know... I'm going down the road relatively happy, but I, I, I know he made a few points that I've, across the league, maybe he sounded things about his team, but as a final display against one of your big rivals, Kerry were bullied. Their young players didn't really you know, show what they had been doing maybe in other games, and even that defence, there was a lot of a debate about how far their defence had come along. I thought Kieran Whelan did some good analysis on League Sunday last night about they just weren't tracking those Mayo runners really at all. It, it, surely it was bitterly disappointing from, from that perspective. I, I actually think he's kind of secretly delighted, genuinely, because it just gets rid of all the uh, expectation maybe that was on them. If they'd won a league final by four or five points, would have massive expectation. They kind of went through the league. Everyone was kind of blowing them up as the big contenders or whatever. I, I'd say Peter Keane always knew. Like It's a very, a very young and inexperienced side. As you said, they probably were bullied yesterday. Uh, definitely physically anyway. It would be a massive learning experience for them. He'd probably be very disappointed with the concession of goal opportunities let alone the goals themselves and they looked maybe a bit a lot more porous than they had throughout the league but like they're like I think it's a fair indication of where he thought he was anyway and I don't think he definitely wasn't getting carried away they have serious potential but it is it is going to take a bit of time I, I don't think I don't think he'll be that disappointed to be honest with you I think it's a reality check I'd say his he was always fairly realistic about where they were, and it's maybe just a reality check for that squad. There's an awful lot of work to be done, and they know that. They'll, st they'll still be, they still won't be too far off come summertime, and definitely in the next couple of years. But it's just probably a reality check. I don't, I don't think he'd actually be that disappointed. It's interesting. What do you think 
they do need to work on the Michael says there are issues there well I think one of their big issues is midfield uh, they've been completely dominated uh, twice now by Mayo um, the same Mayo partnership have have done it twice so that's that's a concern and you know, the longer Mark O'Connor remains in with Geelong, and he scored a great mark uh, this this weekend, only gone by. The longer he remains, the more they are missing the one guy that could really, really anchor them and put it up to the likes of Aidan O'Shea and Brian Fenton and all these strong midfield pairings that they are coming up across and really losing out to. So Dermot O'Connor is a potential midfielder uh, of the future. But for now, he you know he may revert to that third man role. I think they may go back to that. Like quite physically, possibly. Colin, like there's a couple, and like they do. There is, they need a bit there of time is, and David Moran. David Moran has to come back into the mix. But how much can David Moran dominate? Jack Barry's a, a nice player, but is he an anchor midfielder? What we might call an absolute anchor midfielder, or, or is he the pillion passenger, the guy that like Ruan can will will make the runs from from end to end? Uh, they need someone really to anchor them in that Aidan O'Shea Fenton mold, and there are. There are a few others too, so that's that's a concern. Man markers are are a concern too. Out and out man markers. You know there was Thomas Sullivan. I thought did a very good job on Kevin McLaughlin at times. Kevin McLaughlin came in on a rich vein of form in, into this, and I thought Thomas Sullivan did very very well. He's been one of their better attacking halfbacks. I thought Paul Murphy did reasonably well, but uh, for for a, a player on the Kerry team to lock down uh, a dangerous uh, opponent. That's not quite established yet. I would have thought Jason Foley, he only came into the game, into the game late. But whoever referenced them as a team, as a defence predominantly of halfbacks has, has, probably, has probably got that right. They've Gavin White to come back in and he's a really, really good attacker too uh, off the halfback line. I mean, Gavin Crowley got up to score 1-1 but when he was tracking Dermot O'Connor at times yesterday, you know, he obviously didn't have as much success the, the, the other side. So, Definitely, they've defended well in the regulation part of the league. They've, you know, they they had been keeping the goal count down pretty much, but yesterday it it opened up, and you mentioned it physically. Physically, they have a, a journey to travel, but it doesn't mean that they're out for the count or anything like that. This team, this Kerry team, Peter Keane won't know his best team, and he may not know it this season, and it will take well into next season before he's pretty sure of the guys that can deliver at the very top level. But when it comes for Kerry at some stage in the future, it will come fast. Whether it's this year or not, are they ready? I suspect probably not, but I wouldn't be surprised later in the year if they have a much better Super 8s than, than they had last year. They will win Munster and they will be in the Super 8s and I think they will improve. Whether they would get there against Dublin, uh, Dublin or Mayo or, or even Galway who are still very much there if they get their best team out in the field. There is... There is Dublin apart, and they're still apart, but there are five teams. You said you'd throw a blanket over over three. I'd probably add Donegal and Galway into that mix. I don't know whether you had Galway included, but Tyrone, Mayo and Kerry are all around, and that six seem to have gone away from the rest in, in championship terms, and I include Monaghan and that. Yeah, Michael, what, what do you make of that point there about just how close it is going into the championship? Oh, sure, it's very close. And like Dublin, it looks like Dublin have come back to the pack a small bit, just just based based on the league. Um, championship, I'm sure, was Jim Gavin's only goal this year, and there's no point in saying any different. Like They're not going to be remembered whether they won the league this year, to be remembered whether they win the championship and win five in a row. So I think they're, it looks like maybe they've come back a small bit, and maybe just throughout the league, a lot of lads maybe weren't playing as well as you'd expect. The likes of Conor Callan, maybe the likes of Dean Rock, Kieran Kilkenny came back late as well. They'll be coming with a run, but it does give an awful lot of optimism for, as Colm said, the four or five teams there as well. Like Donegal won the Division 2 on Saturday, like playing unbelievably poorly for maybe the first half hour and still managed still managed to win, they're going to be and uh, they're going to be twenty times better come summertime. And Murphy has games under his belt, and hopefully Patrick McBerty will be back as well. They're probably someone that could that could spring even closer maybe to Dublin as as the summer comes along. But it's it's going to be it's very very interesting, and there's cause for optimism amongst a lot of teams. And who do you think has the advantage in the sense that obviously Dublin and Kerry look like they're going to win their provincial titles relatively easily going into the Super Eights, whereas in Connacht you know you have Mayo and Galway and Roscommon who are you know relatively 
incredibly competitive and then obviously Ulster we know how competitive that is like is there an advantage you think for the teams who will be more battle hardened or do you think Dublin and Kerry will benefit from maybe having that easier running no I, I would always go with the, with the battle hardened effort yeah like if you've had a couple of really tough games going into the Super 8s I think you'd be an awful lot better prepared we'd say better than we'd say Kerry last year when they came in off a really soft uh, run through Munster and were, were blown out of the water against Galway completely so I would always take it even if you're losing a couple of players to injury through a hard run I think you're always better to have a hard run and be kind of yeah battle hardened by the time you get to, to the big test so I think I think the likes of Donegal the likes of Donegal will come in well and the likes of Tyrone probably will come in maybe as I say a bit more battle hardened than maybe Kerry yeah, it's an interesting column because for this Kerry team, I guess their next really big test will probably be the first game of the Super H where they could be playing you know, an Ulster champion in Croke Park. A very physically tough game as well. So these young players maybe won't have a great chance to expose themselves to that physicality until then. They won't because they really walked into it against Galway last year uh, after a very soft Munster championship. The Munster final was uh, over pretty early. Stephen O'Brien goal on that Saturday evening in, in Park Aquiva was over pretty early and it, it probably gave them a false sense of security. Um, this is a relatively new team, although a lot of the players were there uh, were there last year too. I was taken by David Clifford's movement uh, yesterday. He's only back, really only back, but scored two points. He forced a, a turnover for a third and obviously set up Gavin Crowley's goal. He looks, he looks like it, he could play in any conditions against anybody he's that good whereas Sean O'Shea dipped yesterday now albeit Lee Keegan and I felt uh, Lee Keegan could have been punished a lot more by by the officials for some of his treatment uh, or some of his marking against against um, against Sean O'Shea uh, but Sean O'Shea like last year was very good in the earlier part of the league and there was a flatlining of his performance during 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 the summer after that. So it'll be pace interesting bit, to see. It looks more, like it, it is. It looks like it is. He doesn't have that searing burst of pace that uh, that Clifford obviously has. Stephen O'Brien has gone very well for them in the league too. He's really he has really really stepped up. But I do think unless they're going to be dominant, a bit more dominant at midfield, that's that's a major issue. And obviously those type of lockdown defenders who picks up who in defence. That's that's something that they really have to establish too. Um, what about the Division 2 final? Donegal, obviously, as Michael referred to, you know, took them a while to find their feet. Michael Murphy's influence grew as the game went on. Um, and whenever we've had you in, you've always kind of felt Donegal are a team that could potentially, you know, rise up and, and challenge Dublin. But, but where are they at, at the moment for you? Again, a little bit like Kerry. What, who are their best defenders? Who are their best man markers? Owen Bon Gallagher has been superb in the league. But when you're talking about last Saturday night, you just see Michael Murphy's influence on the game so much. When Mead went one six to uh, a point up, he was took himself out to centre forward, and he took the sting out of the game with a number. When he just got on the ball, he slowed things down. He's very very good at that of read re reading the temperature. But I was just looking back at that game. Donegal scored one one seventeen, and Murphy scored seven points, three marks, four frees. For for three of those frees, he was fouled himself. He directly assisted for 1-2. I mean, his pass for the goal, his movement for the goal was just fantastic. And for another three Donegal points, he gave the second last pass. Let's say the second last pass to put the movement in flow. So if you want to take it like that, his influence on Donegal was 112 out of 117. Now, for any player, that's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Four of those points were scored by Oshin Gallen. I think he's still under 20 this year. He looks a real talent. And Jamie Brennan is getting better and better. Donegal, after, I think after Dublin, and I'd still say Kerry, Clifford O'Shea, if James O'Donoghue can rediscover a bit of form, Stephen O'Brien and Paul Ganey, they can operate as a really good forward line. Obviously, Dublin have the best forwards in the game. I think Kerry after that, but after that, Donegal have a really, really strong forward line. If they get Oren McNeilis back, he hasn't played in the league, and there's some talk he might go to the US yet. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, and they've Patrick McBrearty to come back in too. So that would give them a really, really strong But Who defends best for them? That's the question. Uh, Paddy McGrath is still, still there and Neil McGee. Um, but if they get their defence sorted out, Donegal will be a real threat again. They may not win the Ulster title this year. That could fall to Tyrone. It could even fall to Monaghan. But I think they'd be a real threat in Super 8. Isn't it great to say if they get their defence right? Just, that was never a problem for, <laughs> so, for so many years. Like, wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. But I mean, know. it's 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 to it's totally flipped in Donegal, and that the, there's a, there's different different approach taken. 
and they've recognised just how good some of their forwards are. And uh, when when you, when you look at those, Brennan has developed over the last year, he has developed into a really lethal forward, really hard to handle for, for a lot of teams. And even against Dublin last year, he was he was hard to handle in that Super 8 game. And again on Saturday night, he looked he looked a cut above. Just on Mead, Colin, was that a, a missed opportunity given the position they were in? They were well, up at one stage. I already. suppose Mead at the very outset. I mean, I thought they might have been closer to the other end, I have to say. They have really surprised me. They have gone, gone really well. Um... A few new players, but not many. A lot of the players have been round there, but clearly, uh, clearly they've stepped up. Uh, I think at the outset you'd say a two-point defeat to Donegal. Well, that wouldn't be too bad, but that dis- uh, doesn't dis- disclose the fact that they were eight up at one stage, five up at half time, and even five or ten minutes into the second half, they looked to have a really strong hand, and they had a good goal chance to go eight points up at one stage, and that really would have turned the game. But in terms of game management, Donegal just once they got the goal, they ran down the clock, held possession. It was a it was an education for Mead. I think this Mead are probably maxed out at the moment. That's that's their strongest team. Who's going to be available to them? They've a lot of they've a lot of pace in the team. They've a lot of movement. Uh, they played a nice style in the first half uh, last 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 Saturday night. Um, but to progress in Division One, they'll probably need a harder edge and and more more physical players. And next year they'll be looking at that. But it wasn't a bad result for me, albeit that they did a cough up an eight point lead. But they were playing against a very experienced team that knows 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 how to manage a game. And in Saturday's other uh, league final, uh, it was a great occasion to see Leitrim back in Croke Park. Great game of football, yeah. Too, yeah. Derry came out on the right side of it, but I think for a lot of people, the, the story was Leitrim getting getting back there. The colour they brought, it was it was a great turnout from Leitrim fans as well. Yeah, we were in the Croke Park Hotel there Friday night, and even there was a good few of them that were staying up on Friday night for the game. They brought a great colour to it. Um, the colour that their fans brought, their, their players definitely brought on the field for the first 20 or 25 minutes because they played great stuff. I think they were 7-3 seven, seven, up and unfortunately then they didn't score until half-time. Derry kind of gained a bit of a, a foothold in the game. Um, but it was a, they, they just missed too much as well. They missed an awful lot of chances that... When when you're an underdog going up there, you have to take you have to take your chances. It has to be probably less than seven or eight wides, and your your realistic scoring chances you need to take them. And unfortunately, they just didn't take them. I think what it showed with with Derry winning and and where the where the strength from Derry came was from their slot nail players. And when you saw them playing so well, you understood why Derry dropped to Division Four the way they did. They had them this year: Chrissy McCaig, uh, Brendan Rogers. Um, so it's nearly the whole spine of the team, Cassidy, isn't it? Yeah. Shane McGuigan. Mm. They they were fantastic in that game, and they were just a, they were they were a cut above, and it's it's easy, and it goes back to the argument about club players being locked up for so much of the league. That that crossover there, it clearly cost Derry. When you see them in within the team and the influence they carry, that it makes perfect sense to take the club finals now away from Patrick's Day uh, tradition, good tradition that it was. It's far better for for everybody. Club players aren't going to be uh, waiting as long and county players will get them back a little bit quicker. And for the likes of Derry and we'll say Mullinyocta as well, teams like that where the county team is dependent on them. We see how dependent Derry now are on Slocknail and how, how good they were. And just before we finish up our football chat, I know you mentioned earlier you can maybe throw a blanket over a couple of teams. We're just going into the championship after the league. But what would your top five be heading into the football championship? A top five... Um Dublin won anyway. Two. I'd still have Kerry. I'd still have Kerry as two, to be honest. Um, probably Mayo three. Tyrone four and Donegal. Donegal five, Manit and six. So Galway don't even track. Uh, like it's without they're they come in like there's four or five there that are all yeah. all on no, top of each other like yeah if like Galway had a, a massive amount of injuries during the league as well and uh, I, I I don't think I I I rate Galway very highly I just think they're all very close to be honest with you yeah and that was that's more a slip of the mind than anything else Dublin are still out in front for me uh still well ahead I have to say chasing pack again I I can't really uh. <laughs> untangled them in, in a way that says yes there was someone I, I was very impressed with Tyrone towards the end of the league Tyrone's victory over Dublin uh, could have been by more and they turned seven point deficit into a seven point winning margin against Galway albeit with a bit of help Galway have Damien Comer to come back Liam Silk Killian McDade fellas that can really improve their team 
Mayo have so many players. Mayo have had a great league campaign in terms of finding new players. James Carr, first man, I think, from his club, Arda. I'm not standing to be corrected there. Right, yeah, right, first man. He looked a towering presence at times yesterday. Just after half time, he got us two points, one from a mark and almost had a goal. He was really good. Fionn McDonough in the earlier part of the league, he scored one three against Throne. He ripped them apart. Kieran Tracy was very good that day. And, had a bit, and he had a bit of cojones yesterday to go for he the goal. He did to go for a goal. That could, have turned, that could have turned anyway. So Mayo have unearthed players. Matthew Ruan, you wonder, you know, he was part of the under-21 team in 2016. Why hasn't he been pushed through quicker? He looks really good. And as I said earlier, a great partnership with Aidan O'Shea. Um, I, I think Galway could have a really strong team this year. They could, they could really, really go for it. They have exceptional forwards too. Uh, Donegal are still there. I'd probably have Tyrone Kerry, Mayo all together, Galway just just with them too, and maybe just Donegal a little bit just off that yet. And just one very last thing, Westmead obviously booked their place in that rescheduled Division 3 final next week after drawing with Loud. And it's funny, Loud just came up uh, under the radar. They, they were a whisker away from ga- getting promotion themselves. Totally, yeah. And I think they were beaten in their first game, I think, as well, pretty comprehensively, if I can, if I can recall. Longford, they, they yeah. lost to Longford at home. I actually, I actually had Loud down in, in our predictions beforehand for, <laughs> Same as, uh, for, yeah. for the drop. Yeah. And uh, they've really, really... Uh, Stood up, they got some great wins. They're a little bit lucky against Offaly, actually. That own goal yeah. at the very end, uh, that was unfortunate. But to hold Westmead to a draw uh, at home last last Saturday was a was a really good performance again because that's a decent Westmead team. Jerry Egan has been flying for he's, Westmead. Yeah, he's really stood up, hasn't he? Really, yeah. really. Getting Heston back as well. He kicked a lovely yeah. score to go yeah, on. I think Darren will have most regrets in that division mm. to have lost to Loud in, the set, in, their, in their last game. And they also lost their opening game to leash they were missing um, a lot of players as we said awfully could have easily got promoted oh, some of the ridiculous easily been on 10 points <laughs> easily yeah like 10, was it 10 points that got, got them all promoted yes 10 off. points there was uh, 2 points 2 scoring points 2, right, two yeah. point difference between the top 3 teams at the top of the that's how tight it was I feel down down will have most regrets there awfully left 4 points behind at least like do you know what I mean so they, were, they would have been there or thereabouts but the big takeaway is that Leinster football is back and that there's going to be 5 Leinster counties between Division 1 and 2 next year well if that can translate to the championship I think everyone will be happy yeah well like John Sugru's done a massive job with Leash two straight promotions Leinster final last year as well so that'll be that'll be and some more silver up for guards between the two of them that should be that should be a good final I'm not too sure how many will be there unfortunately because it's a standalone standalone in Crow Park but uh, yeah massive massive progress made by the two of them so it's time for hurling now on the throne in association with Alliance and Michael I know you were on match report duty for the Irish Independent so I'll come to you first Limerick I guess a, a really impressive statement of intent you know, they, they hit a lot of wides and they still put up I think 122 Aaron Glan hit 1-5 from play and he could have probably had another 5 or 6 himself Yeah it was ultra professional to be honest with you they, they dominated really from start to finish they were 8-2 up uh, Waterford somehow clawed their way back into the game like totally against the run of play and actually had a goal chance when they were 9-7 down Stephen Bennett's goal chance was saved brought back put a free over then I think it was from the resulting puck out Aaron Galan got one of the best goals I've I've seen in, in, in my life anyway because it's just it's just an outrageous flick you could try it a thousand times and, and you wouldn't even get it once you could barely see it in real time like you were, he's wondering yeah how it was that, brilliant how and actually they, they highlighted it last night that Nolly Connors' hurl was actually in front of, of his eye line as well so how he managed to hit it I'll, I'll never know but really professional performance by Limerick um, they just dominated all over the field they, they just have a serious blend of pace and power and most importantly skill and they don't care who scores the right man will always get the ball there's no pot shots from the wings or anything like that it's the ultimate team performance and I was just kind of saying to Column off air like while Galan is probably a superstar he, he's probably still replaceable in a way. Like they just seem uh, nearly all of their players are at a very very high level, and they have a good few lads on the bench that can come in and play to that level as well. Like if, if Kilkenny are missing TJ Reid, they're in awful trouble. If Limerick are missing someone, they probably have someone to come in and perform to a similar level. I think they're in a they're in a really really strong position. It is early, but they're in a really strong position. And even after the game, John Kiley was talking about how they're going to target Munster because a lot of the players don't even have that Munster medal. So no let up they are so professional they've moved on to the next challenge already it seems yeah they 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 were really impressive yesterday their their passing their their movement but above all their 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 physical power uh, i don't recall seeing a hurling team with with that power since obviously Brian Cody's Kilkenny during the four in a row and one of his early teams as well which had great height uh the 2000 the 2002 2003 team um 
but physically imposing. The likes of Garrod, Hegarty, Dermot Burns has just soared in this league. So strong. Uh, Tom Morrissey, Dan Morrissey. You see Keane Lynch, the turnovers he was able to uh, to make uh, yesterday. They are so strong physically that I can't believe that they've pushed on so much and so well. They're a better so, team, In some they? respects, you yeah. would expect a team that wins a novel All-Ireland, if we can call it that, first time in 45 years, you would expect that there would be some some regression. But the, there, there hasn't been, in fact, quite the opposite. They're more confident. They're more powerful. They know. And, and also the addition of players. Peter Casey, was it Barry Murphy, had a great game against Kilkenny early yeah. in the league. They're able to bring players in and... They're the best team and they have the best squad and that makes them a really, really difficult proposition for, for anyone else. No doubt Munster, four games in, in Munster will and four intense games because there will be nothing easy there, obviously, will take it out of any squad, even a squad of their strength. But there just seems to be a real bounce in their step that they want to conquer all comers this year. We'll bring in John Milan on the line now, and, and obviously Limerick were so impressive yesterday. From a Waterford perspective, John, what did you make of the, of the game? Well, uh, I'd echo what the lads said before we touch on Waterford. The most frightening thing from yesterday is this Limerick team are yet to reach their peak yet. And uh, I was in the upper tier of Cusick yesterday. I was up with, uh, I was went with the family yesterday. And I said, I'd, I, I said I'd move over and kind of get a look at, at, at their movement. So I, I kind of moved my position. And the contrast between the Limerick movement and the Waterford movement was chalk and cheese. And as the lad said, I mean, this, this Limerick uh, team, they have everything. They have physicality, power, pace, moving through the lines. Uh, they're slick. They can play it any way, heads up, hurling. And then the ball into the inside line, then it's, it's a 70-30 ball every time. And, and I, I stated on, in Saturday's paper that if Waterford came with a plan, and they implemented a plan, maybe go the same um, template as Dublin. Uh, they might have a chance coming down the home street, but we've seen none of that yesterday. Uh, and, you know, Limerick, you know, their half-forward line of uh, Hayes, Tom Morrissey, Garrod, Hegarty. If you put a heat map on them yesterday, the, the, the amount of KMs that they would have clocked up, I'd say between the three of them, I'd say it would have went into maybe... 25, 26 kilometres between the three of them. And, and the way it is now, I think, to go and beat this Limerick team, you've got to have a really strong, physical half-hour line who are prepared to work like never before. And it's this, they're, they're very, very similar to, what, to the Kilkenny under Cody, where um, they have that high work ethic, they're, they're able to work the ball through the lines and they're able to mix it any way you want, whether it be physicality, uh, their skill set, the forwards then that, that you know, their inside forwarding, yes, they scored one nine from play. And then look at the players they brought on yesterday. They brought on Mike Casey, Seamus Flanagan, Shane Dowling, Barry Murphy, who changed the game last year against Tipperary in the first, first round of the championship, and Paddy O'Loughlin, who had a tremendous league campaign. I mean... This, the, the, as I stated, the most frightening thing um, for the opposition is I actually don't think this Limerick team have reached their peak yet. And from a Waterford point of view, you know, I think that the most the most worrying thing for me yesterday was was the body language of of some some of our players. That was the most worrying thing for me uh, leaving Crow Park yesterday. Was I thought the body language it just it, it just wasn't there yesterday from from some of our players now. It's hard to point your finger on that. What do you put it down to? Maybe the route four weekends in a row. But the last three weekends, Waterford were finishing very strong. I mean, with 15, 20 minutes to go there in yesterday's game, they were only four or five points down, but they were beating Dockett. And I think going into the championship, into the summer, um, that would be the, the one worrying, the wor one wor worry for me um, if I was Boric fan was that. You know, outside of Kevin Moran, I thought an awful lot of our players down to is great credit to Kevin Moran. You know, what a warrior. Kept going to the end. And that's what you have to do on days when it's not going going right. I've been there myself before where I've come up against teams where it's it's not just it's not your day, but you keep going to the end. And that's the worry I have. 
leaving Crow Park yesterday is that outside of Kevin Moore, probably no. In fairness to the full back line, I don't think the full back line could have done anything, anything uh, more yesterday. I mean, the, the ball that they were getting, the ball that the Limerick forward line were getting. You know yourself, Ernie. It's 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 you can't defend against it. It's 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 a 70, 70 30 ball every time the ball coming in. It's I mean Noel Connors yesterday he didn't he didn't do anything wrong. Uh, Callum Lyons, Shane McNulty, um, that full back line they done they done absolutely nothing wrong, but they still conceded one nine, and that just goes to show you um, where Limerick are at, are at at the moment. Uh, the system that they're playing to uh, it has. Canork written all over but from a Waterford point of view there's a lot of head scratching to deal going into the summer um, but for me I think the, the, the most worrying thing for me was was that an awful lot of players down too was yesterday Yeah Michael do you think that body language issue that John is referring to is that come down to you know as you wrote Limerick have a bit of an awe about them now you know that they, they are going so well they do teams are, are starting to get inside teams heads can they be beaten Yeah possibly um like uh, once you get off to a, a bad start and Limerick are in full flow like that and I can't imagine when you're actually down on the field what that physicality is like and what it is like to have lads absolutely zooming past you and lads absolutely ravenous for work like and if you're not in that frame of mind as Watford weren't yesterday it can be it can just kind of overawe you completely and that's kind of what it looked like happened yesterday like not to, not to compare players like but if you compare would say the amount of acres that that Gerard Hegarty and Tom Morrissey covered will say as opposed to would say Austin Gleeson and Parik Matney on the other two wings like it was as John said it was it was it was chalk and cheese like so that's a there's a lot of question marks there I was surprised I was surprised they didn't play a sweeper to be honest with you and to stay in the game for as long as they can as long as they could like Dublin did the week before um Having gone fifteen on fifteen with them yesterday and failed badly, I'd be surprised if they don't play a sweeper when they play them in Walsh Park now, because they're gonna have to do something to try and stifle them. You're just gonna, it it doesn't look like he can go fifteen on fifteen against them, not in the traditional sense anyway. So I'd imagine Waterford will try something different. It uh, it is quite worrying for Parik Fanning, but you know everything had been going pretty smoothly enough for him too like so it's probably a fairly uh, stark reality check of where they are too but he is missing some key defenders too yeah uh, the Dara Fives Connor Gleeson as Connor well Connor Gleeson yeah. Kieran Bennett Shane, Shane, Shane Fives, Fives. definitely so, three starters at least yeah so. yeah. so the, there is there is that he has that to play around with the only worry is that, as John said like there was still there was still 50 or 60 yards in front of the full back line like, there was you know, I, I just think Aaron Galan has, has moved his game up to another level too I mean he was very good obviously in the All-Ireland semi-final last year against Cork but his ability to win his own ball all it's the time some and, difference, and yeah. you know in against Noel Connors you say 70-30 well I would think some of those balls weren't 70-30 yesterday and he was still able to win them so that's the power he has he's got a very very good catch too he scored 1-9 and I reckon he left 9 points out there too he had 9 wides some of them obviously were uh not all, you know, mm, and a goal cast well, iron, yeah. cast iron uh, scoring chances. But that's the level of dominance that they had yesterday when Aaron Galan has nine wides on his own uh, against his account. That's how that's how dominant they, they were. And that's, that is frightening for a lot of other teams. Uh, now, obviously, they'll get back at them. Uh, the game is in Walsh Park. How much space? Although they say Walsh Park is as big as uh, it doesn't have that feel of an open pitch, and certainly doesn't play like one. in In my in my estimation, going down there certainly to cover league games, it's a long, long time since I was down there for uh, for any summer hurling. So it'll be interesting to see how that that plays out. But I I would think that uh, Waterford will move to shore up that defence and maybe provide a screen in front of in front of Galan and and Peter Casey, who was who who won a lot of ball when he moved out. Yeah, John, were you going to come in there? Yeah, well, well, one thing, one thing what was telling from from my vantage point yesterday was the positioning of the three inside players for for Limerick. They don't go into a natural full forward line position where either corner forward will go into to, to either corner, and then you have your, your full forward then in the natural number fourteen position. The three of them all come in close together. They bring their markers with them. And then it's kind of like it's kind of like they know where the ball is going before, uh, before their their fellow player is hitting in the ball. 
into either corner. So they have that yard or yard or two every time on on their opposing defender who's trying to mark him. So they kind of come in at a bunch and then the ball is played out to space. So whether you play a sweeper or play a man back, as we've seen on League Sunday, it's it's the ball coming in is nearly is nearly it's 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 nearly a forwards ball every time. Now I can I can fully accept what, what Colin was saying that you know Galan has that in in his armour that he can he he can win any type of ball, but they have it off to a tee the way they're playing. They're, they're, they're moving through the lines, working the ball through the lines, and then. You know the option then is 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 heads up hurling, get the ball out to the wings fast. How do you counteract it? That's what the, what that's what the, all the other opposition are going to have. But what I would say in, in Warford's favour is that I think you know when these two teams meet uh, at the end of May, I think it's it's nearly a blessing in disguise that it, it's going to be in Welsh Park. It's going to be a tight, tight, confined pitch. And I think they've got to make the pitch as small as they can because this Limerick team, uh, they're a well-oiled unit and they, they love the open space. Do you think it'll be can... like uh, Healy Park and Oma last year when Dublin went to it with the... Uh... The sky cameras down and they get nice and tight, yeah. <laughs> Do you think the lines well, will be redrawn down there at the end of May, John? I, 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 you wouldn't, you wouldn't rule it out, uh, but I, I, think it's, it's gonna, as it's gonna be chalk and cheese. I don't think it's gonna be anything compared to yesterday, the, the amount of space that was given up. And I think, I think Parik Fannin, to be fair to him, he's done an excellent job today. I wouldn't fault him yesterday, right, Grant? He, 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 he learned from, he learned from yesterday. And there's no better man to, to go, to go away, um, study that game inside out and come back w- with a plan. Uh, for both for both the Clare game and the Limerick game uh, at at home at Welsh Park. And we, we might look ahead to those you know games in May. I was surprised to see that Galway are actually the bookies' favourites to win the All Ireland, considering how bizarre dominant yeah. dominant Limerick were in that league and how much everyone does seem to think that they're the consensus favourites. So. You know, we got we did the football top five earlier. You know, hurling's probably even tougher to rank. Like, what's how does it shake out for you at the moment? Um, with, with Joe Canning's injury, I I think I I honestly cannot see a Galway in Ireland. Genuinely, I, I can't. Um, just because there's so many question marks about them, like not only is he their free taker their marquee forward he's their leader in the forward lines and he dragged them over the line in several games over the last couple of years there's doubts about whether Joseph Cooney is going to be back even if he does come back at this stage will he be he's unlikely to be the same player Johnny Glynn is not back yet um, there's a question mark over him there's a serious question mark over Connor Cooney's form over the last 18 months I'd say as well so I'd have a lot of question marks on Galway I'd have Limerick probably one um, it's it's hard. Yeah, I would have I would have had Galway as a, a clear cut too before before Canning's injury. Um, come back to me on that, there. Come back to me. Come back to me on that. I'll have to have a think about. It. <laughs> yeah, Colin. Like uh, I, 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 Cork had a very disappointing end to the league. Obviously, with their with their defeat uh, to tip to Tipperary, but they've had a few disappointing leagues over the years and have been able to to turn it on in the summer. They may not win a third in a row, Munster title. But I do think that there is something in that Cork team. Uh, I think they're, they can head in the right direction. Uh, they were very, very close to beating uh, Limerick in last year's All-Ireland semi-final. They, they were obviously ahead going down the stretch and Limerick were able to catch, turn them over an extra time. But I do think they have a set of forwards that can really trouble any defence still. And uh, they'd be a team that I'd be really watching out for in the summer. And also... What's left in Tipperary? There has to be a real kick in them too. I think, and I think there will be uh, a real kick in them after after their departure from the league. So, um, I, they'd be two teams I'd be watching out for. Michael, you were making some headway, were you? On just your just list? on on what Colin said about Cork, I, I I probably would have Cork a close second because they seem to be over the last two years anyway. They seem to be the one team that can actually match Limerick and physically yeah, they can probably match. They're them the as only well. team to beat them. Yeah. Uh, in the league, obviously, uh, draw match last two year. Draws between two draws yeah. effectively. Now Gillan was sent off uh, in one, but they do seem to have. If anyone has a measure of Limerick at the moment, and it's they don't have the measure to. To, well, they beat them in, in the Gaelic rounds this year, but they do seem to be in step with them. And uh, they have been heading in. And how often can they get to an All-Ireland semi-final uh, and 
keep coming away empty-handed, not getting getting back in. It's been a few times now as Munster champions that they just haven't delivered. Maybe they won't, as I said earlier, won't be Munster champions, but I do think they are heading in the right direction. Yeah, and John, I guess for yourself, like after Limerick, who I, I'm going to presume are maybe your favourites overall, what, who are the teams just below them, do you think? Who are the most likely challengers? Yeah, I'd echo that. I think, I think Cork's biggest challenge is going to be trying to get back into Crow Park. I think if Cork could get back into Crow Park, I think they have the the personnel that a bit like Limerick uh, love love Crow Park, and I think they might might get over the line. But I think Carl's biggest challenge is, is getting back to Crow Park. And then look, it's it's I was very optimistic about Waterford uh, up to yesterday. I think that game against Clare on May the twelfth is going to be a humdinger. It's going to be massive. Whoever loses that game, I don't foresee them being in the in the top three. So I think that's nearly a winner take all game on May the on May the twelfth. If Clare were to win it, I mean Clare, as we've seen in the past, they've no fear of Limerick either. I think there's there's the local rivalry there as well. Tipperary, uh they're surely gonna as Colum said, they're surely gonna be kicking them. I think they have the firepower up front to, to go on and, and, and take on anyone. And then look you're looking at Leinster, I personally don't think I, I couldn't foresee Galway uh, going on and challenging for All-Ireland honours without uh, Joe Cannon and I just have a funny feeling about Dublin this year I think Dublin if they can get the players back they went toe-to-toe with Limerick albeit it was down in Nolan Park a tight confined pitch if they can get the if they can get the four or five players that are missing um, at the moment back they could be a dark horse for this championship and they could be could be a dark horse for an Insta. And look, obviously, then you can't you can't reload the cats on any given day. Michael, what, D- Dublin? What you... Yeah, just as a, as a potential bolter, I would say, yeah, definitely, yeah. Just like Leinster is, Galway were a step ahead and Canning's absence would have to draw them back in. Like I'd say, you could throw a blanket over, over the four of them, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I'd have serious question marks over over, over Galway. Uh, Dublin have a lot of potential. Get Mark Schutte back, get Colin Keeney back. Get Liam Rush back, um, and have a couple of focal points in the attack. Then, like we know their defence is tight. We know they're not going to concede too much. Um, in Owen O'Donnell, Sean Moore, like the Paddy Smith, they've two or three. Chris Crummy, Shane Barrett, they've, they're all really good defenders. So if they can just s- sort out the attack, and uh, maybe centre forward and full forward, they'll be uh, yeah, they'll be they'll be definitely going to be an interesting summer. I'd be, I I think they'll get out of Leinster. All right. And just on Leinster column, obviously with Joe Canning's injury, like Galway have to go to Parnell Park and Nolan Park. You know, without your talisman, that that's a huge undertaking. Yeah, I mean, his between two ser- what are now serious injuries, his you know when he got the injury against Tipperary in the in the um, All Ireland semi final a few years back. Since then and up to now, he has been superb, and in this league campaign, he has played so much of their league campaign, and he has been really, really in top form. I'd say he's on a short list for League Player of the Year as well as being on the short list for the last two Championship Player of the Year, uh, Hurler of the Year as well. Uh, he's just his running, his power, his 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 accuracy, everything, just his leadership. So they, they're obviously going to miss him, but the rest have to step up. Cahill Mannion has to step up. Connor Whelan has to go again. They have Brian Concanon in there. He's had a reasonably good league. Uh, they all have to really step up. I think Johnny Glynn probably will be home. Joseph Cooney, I wouldn't think, will at this stage. But they do have to step up. And there was an extensive trawl for players uh, throughout this league. I'm not sure that Galway play any more than six or seven of their uh, All-Ireland final team from last year. Whereas Limerick, only for the leash game, did they dip down to around seven when they, when they ran their panel in. But otherwise, they were always up around 11. Probably no less than eleven in any of their other games. They, they were clearly intent. Whereas Galway's path was a little bit I felt was always a little bit different. They were on an extensive trawl for new players, and it'd be interesting to see now for their first round of the championship. Who do they entrust with some of those jerseys? A lot of hurling to look forward to over the course of the summer. Thanks so much for joining me, guys. Thanks. We're going to finish up the throwing in association with Alliance with some camogie chat after yesterday's league final. Uh, Delighted to be joined on the line by Ursula Jacobs. Ursula, yes, a bit of a shock in the final. Kenny finally upset in a league decider for the first time in a long time. You know, how surprising was this Galway win for you? 
Um, look, I think Kilkenny would have been going in as relatively strong favourites, you know, because they, as I would have kind of mentioned prior to this game, they kind of consistently in the last number of years have seemed to got the kind of form right at this time of the year. But yesterday they were quite flat at times. Um, you know, there was uh, big periods of uh, play where they they failed to score. Like in the first half, you know, they didn't score for over 20 minutes. So um, I suppose it's not a massive shock because... Galway are def- definitely capable of beating a big team like a Kilkenny or Cork. Um, you know, they, they topped their group. They had a very consistent uh, league campaign. And I suppose they were going in on a high after winning the semi-final so convincingly against Limerick. Um, but I think, you know, being honest, they, they really showed greater hunger yesterday. Um, their shooting was more effective at times. And their team play was one thing that I was really, you know, um, admiring yesterday. You know, defensively, they were very strong, you know, led by Captain Sarah Durvin and Sean Healy in the fullback line. I think they, did, they really sniffed out a lot of kind of Kilkenny's chances in the first half. And then, you know, midfield, Aoife Dunn, who, you know, she was the player of the match and she really covered every blade of grass, you know, yesterday. Um, and she really was the link player between, you know, defence and attack. And like with leaders like Neve Kilkenny, Ailish O'Reilly and Neve Hannafy, who's kind of been on and off the team in the last couple of years. Um, you know, they really stood up uh, when needed yesterday. Ursula Galway have had a fair bit of uh, movement with managers over the last couple of years, but it looks like they clearly have their house in order now. That was a, a fairly serious performance. Yeah, exactly. Look, at Colin Murray, you know, came in last year, and I suppose you know they they had you know four or five managers in in as many years, and you know there's always been that talent and and kind of quality of players there in Galway. I suppose now they seem to have got you know everything kind of in order, and you know I think they would have been disappointed in the last couple of years. They've had kind of a one point loss to Kilkenny and Cork in the Ireland semi-finals, and and they know they need to push on. I think yesterday's win was was more important for Galway, uh, more so than if Kilkenny had went and won it, because Galway needed to see that they could win, you know, a national title, title, beat a Kilkenny or a Cork in a final, and they've done that now. Now they'll have, you know, they'll regroup now and they'll have maybe six, seven weeks before the first round of championship. But they're going to take massive confidence from yesterday. Um, and winning winning a national title in Crow Park was was a big deal for, for Galway yesterday. And Cahill Murray is definitely going to be pleased for, with that. Galway, uh, Ursula are probably the most likely to break the kind of stranglehold that, that Cork and Kilkenny have had on the, the All-Ireland finals, I suppose, in recent years, are they? Yeah, I I think they they would be you know I would always regard that Galway would always be up in the top three anyway. Um, and you know I think they've got got quite a strong panel and they've a great mix of kind of experience and youth. And you know they they know and I think the Corks and Kilkennys know as well that Galway are so capable of you know performing on the big day. I suppose maybe in the last couple of years it's maybe consistently getting a good performance um, you know getting a good performance out of the team over the full 60 minutes because they kind of play in patches or they, they get a, a good win in the group stages of championship and then maybe fall a little bit flat um, yesterday but look at Kilkenny you know um, didn't really have an answer for them especially in the first half and that's when I feel like all we really won and you know laid the platform for their win yesterday because you know, uh, some of their shooting yesterday was brilliant. Like, obviously, Carrie Dolan got, uh, you know, eight points, seven frees yesterday. But, you know, they worked the ball in fierce well and got themselves into the right position. And I think that's what they'll be most happy with. And obviously, Ursula, you mentioned there that Kenny, Cork and Galway are the top three. Are there any teams kind of maybe that you saw in the league a bit below that they, they could threaten to make a bit of a breakthrough in the championship, do you think? Well, look, I think Limerick, you know, I don't think the league semi-final was a true reflection of where Limerick are at either. Um, you know, they 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 ran Kilkenny to a point in the in the league this year as well. And I think they are so capable of reaching the knockout stages of the championship. But again, it's the consistency, consistency that seems to let them down at, at times. Dublin, another team that, you know, really have risen in the last number of years. And, you know, David Herity did excellent work with him. And now they've new management team in place. Frank Brown is over him. And, and I think 
they're going to be, you know, they're kind of plodding along there in the league and whatever, but I think they're going to, you know, um, be near, near, there, thereabouts, you know, at the knockout stages of the championship as well. And look, you can't rule out the tips and Watford either. They had massive years last year and they'll be looking to kind of progress and even go one step further this year as well. And just, I guess, just before we let you go, like, who is the, the favourite for the championship for you? Who, who do you reckon at this stage, just after the league, that is um, the best place? Well, look, I still think you can't look past Cork. Um, you know, I think they'll be disappointed that maybe they didn't at least reach the league, um, the league final. Um, but in saying that, look, they they haven't won the league in in a number of years now, and still they seem to get it right at the at the right time of the year. Um, you know, they'll have Munster Championship now to focus on in the next uh, few weeks. But I I still would would reckon that Cork are, are the favourites again. But look, and Downey, um, you know, should should be disappointed. With you know losing yesterday, but Kilkenny are, are not not going away by any means either. And uh, maybe it's no harm that they've suffered the defeat at this time of the year rather than kind of winning now and you know going into championship and then losing at, at the All Ireland final stage. So I think you know it's a cliche, but I think you sometimes do learn more from from a loss. And Kilkenny, you know, will will we'll go back now back to training for the next few weeks and really work on the things that maybe let them down. Slightly yesterday. Great stuff, Ursula. Thanks so much for joining us. No problem at all. Cheers. Cheers Thanks, Ursula. Ursula. Thanks, man. That's all we have time from the throne in association with Alliant. And that's it for our league campaign. Thank you so much for listening over the last number of weeks. We'll be back for the championship, but in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. Alliance, supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.